0: Strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. This is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Welcome to Concerned Women Today. I am so excited about our guest today. We have Christina Bennett who is the Communications Director for the Family Institute of Connecticut. Christina, welcome to Concerned Women Today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you guys. So you started out your life in Connecticut, right? I mean, you you are from Connecticut. And I just, I think you're so interesting. I think your story is so appropriate for the conversation that we're having around the country on the issues of race, the issues of life, and I would love it if you just share with our audience, like your story.
1: Absolutely, thank you. I am from Connecticut, as you mentioned, and Connecticut is a very pro-abortion state. We don't even require minors to tell their parents if they're going to have an abortion. So when I was younger, I had never heard abortion talked about at home, even though I grew up going to different churches, I had never heard abortion talked about at church. And I remember friends in high school getting abortions and not having to even notify their parents. And all I really thought about when I you know, thought about abortion was just what I'd heard in health class about abortion just being a woman's right. Everything changed for me dramatically. When I was in college, I was pursuing a communications degree. And I was going to church and one day at church, someone said to me, God wants you to know something remarkable happened around the time of your birth. And so I, I thought, okay, that's very interesting. I'll ask my mom. a prophetic word of some sort? Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was a prophetic word. And I asked my mom, mom, did something interesting happen or remarkable happen around the time of my birth? And her exact words to me, were, I met an angel before you were born, and I do not want to talk about it. (laughs) So (laughs) that was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was a part of a Christian group on campus called Campus Crusade for Christ, Mm -hmm. and we went away for a summer missions trip. It's called Summer in the City, and I went away to Kentucky, and we were working with the Boys and Girls Club, and I journaled that whole summer And I said, when I get back home to Connecticut, I'm going to ask my mom, you have to tell me, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And so I cornered her in the bathroom. She was getting ready for the day. And I said, mom, you have to tell me, what do you mean you meant Angel? You've never said anything like that before. It's so strange for you to say something like that. And she said, I can't tell you because you would hate me. Mm -hmm. And I said, mom, I would never hate you. You could tell me anything. And she was so reluctant and she was so afraid, but then she opened up and said, I scheduled to abort you and I was at the hospital and I had the hospital gown on and I paid for the abortion and I met with a counselor. And right before I went into the doctor's office, this African-American woman, she was a janitor, she came up to me, she lifted up my chin and she looked right into my eyes and her eyes were like pools of water. And she said to me, do you want to have your baby? And even though I had paid for the abortion, I said, yes and she told me god will give you the strength to have this child and she told me to go put my clothes back on but when i put my head down and then i put my head back up a couple seconds later 30 seconds later she says the woman was gone and she expected that she would have been like somewhere midway through the hallway Mm -hmm. and so that gave her the strength to walk into the waiting room and she was really just going to collect her stuff and leave. But it just so happened that when she walked in, the doctor, her name was Andrea, the doctor called her name, Andrea, into his office. And he didn't even have the decency to clean up the blood from the last Mm -hmm. abortion. So when she walked into his office, there was blood on the floor from the last abortion. And she was just so disgusted and said, I am leaving, I changed my mind. And he said, no. He said, you've already paid for this you're just nervous, you can get through it. And she said no every time. And after all of those attempts, after you're just nervous, you can get through it. After that didn't work, the mask came off and he just screamed at her and said, don't leave this room. Mm -hmm. And she ran out. She ran out and she called my dad on the payphone in the lobby. And she said, you know, I didn't go through with it. But then she ended up getting married to my dad. They got married. Uh, they, it didn't last very long. Their marriage only lasted one year and they divorced. And she just held that secret in her heart. And she had no intention of ever telling me. We were never going to talk about it. But when I came to her and said, someone told me that God said something remarkable happened. She knew that that was the remarkable thing that she had met that janitor and those words had saved my life. And so she knew she had to tell me mm-hmm. and telling me changed the entire course of my life. And I've never been the same since.
0: Mm. Well, praise God. Yes, <laughs> and, praise you God. Know, I, and I've heard this story, the same story from some of our young women for America leaders. And you know God works in amazing ways, and and things happen for a reason. One of our young women in Louisiana, the mother left a, her mother left a Planned Parenthood clinic because while she's sitting in the clinic waiting for her abortion, an aunt calls and says, "You don't have to do this. Come live with me." And wow. So for you know all the people listening right now who know a young woman who's struggling maybe it's you that is the angel right maybe you're the one that needs to call this young woman and say you know what you have other options come live with me Absolutely. i'll walk through this with you i'll help you get to the other side whether you're parent or you place your child for adoption, we'll we'll figure out school, we'll figure out work, we'll figure out what needs to happen. And so I would just encourage everyone if this is touching your heart, that's the holy spirit <laughs> telling you that you need to intervene. Don't mind your own business. This is someone right. who may be looking for help. Maybe she's not, but she might be. So I'd like to move into an issue that recently really you know, set me off <laughs> because a show on MSNBC, one that's not very, you know, it's a Saturday show, it's not something I think that people even watch that much, but just the arrogance and the the ignorance around it of a group of women sitting around a table accused pro life women, particularly white women of seeing African-American women as a human incubators and that we're racist. And this was all around the fact that the attorney general of Mississippi filed the Dobbs case. And it was all around the Mississippi case, which limits abortion after 15 weeks. And so they were just wearing her out. And she was an agent for, you know, all of us racist white women who don't don't care about our african-american sisters and friends and co-workers in the and you know in our in that entire community okay let's let's play that i just want you to hear this clip let's take a listen
1: I will say that, you know, as a woman and specifically as, you know, a black woman, I'm completely concerned. I think one thing to note is that the Supreme Court didn't actually have to consider this case, but they decided to do so. As you know, we now have a conservative majority. Right. And we also know that women of color and low income women get abortions at higher rates than white women and more affluent women. So any law will, you know, it will impact, you know, my sisters, uh, my black and brown sisters in Mississippi for sure. And, you know, this really shows that, you know, attorney, the attorney general um, ultimately is, you know, a wealthy white woman who is acting in the interest of conservatives and other wealthy white women. A hundred percent. And speaking of, I'd like you to listen to uh, this uh, soundbite from Amy Comey Barrett, Ellie, and I'll get your reaction on the other side.
0: I don't think that abortion or the right to abortion is, would change. Do you even think some of, the str-
1: some of the restrictions might I change? I think some
0: of the restrictions would change.
1: I mean, she, <laughs> she kind of warned us, right? There's an actual real live handmaid on the Supreme Court saying this.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, what, what's your response to that? I mean, uh, as a young woman who's part of the, the Black community, What is your answer to her and what are your feelings on on what she suggested?
1: Of course, I find it disheartening and I can empathize and understand because I grew up totally ignorant of the history of Planned Parenthood, totally ignorant of Margaret Sanger being a racist and how she used eugenics and her desire for population control to try to limit the Black community. I was never taught that. I was never given that history lesson in school or in church. And so I understand what it's like to be so disconnected from this troubling reality. You add onto that, the fact that so many black churches are not willing to talk about abortion. They're not willing to have these tough conversations. And unfortunately they see it as a political issue and we're so polarized politically that all of those things are like the perfect storm and it just adds to the ignorance and unfortunately it allows for black women to feel as if white pro-life women are the enemy and they're fighting against them when really racist people are not trying to increase the black population. Right. I, I don't know of any racist that would want more black children. I mean it doesn't it's not even logical. Exactly. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you? And if you really knew the workings of the pro life movement, then you would understand that people are spending millions of dollars, uh, multi millions of dollars are going into the funding of pregnancy resource centers, are going into health centers, are going into maternity homes where women can live with their children all across the country, thousands of pregnancy resource centers, and they're not making a profit. Mm -hmm. They're giving clothes and diapers and parenting classes and baby showers and car seats and education for free, while Planned Parenthood is charging for ultrasounds and charging for birth control. Mm -hmm. And so not only do you have a movement where people are investing millions of dollars, but they're doing it and not bringing in a profit from the women that they serve. And so why would you assume that they have an ulterior motive? Why would you assume that they are not there out of the sincerity of their heart to help? And I think it's because there is this division and there is this ignorance and a lack of understanding and that causes these wrong ideas to thrive and to grow. And it's very sad because we are, as a community targeted, Black women are, targeted by the abortion industry and we have the highest rates of abortion and it's not helpful for our community to look at the pro-life movement as an
0: enemy when really pro-lifers are trying to aid us. Yes well and oh gosh there's so many things to say about this so like you hit it exactly the nail on the head it's actually the opposite of what she said right you've got Margaret Sanger who's a eugenicist who not only worked, uh, you know, to, to, um, you know, she, she called African-Americans human weeds. Like she's, she was the arbiter of who deserved to live. And, um, and there was all the forced sterilizations, which I've recently just started to research. I mean, I've I've seen between 60 and 70,000 forced sterilizations that were all part of her plan. Right. Um, and, you know, and not, not all of those were minorities, but many of them were. And the people that are profiting off of the death of African-American babies is Planned Parenthood and big abortion. Absolutely. It's what you said, we are, our community is loving and giving and, you know, charitable and just want to support and want to love. And the other thing that I think is so interesting that you know about Christina is the deep unity and sisterhood within the pro-life community you know the love of christ is recognized because our identity is in christ first right and everything else is subjugated to that and we're we're united in our mission of caring for the least of these and just you know the the love that exists in the unity i mean the rest of the country should want the kind of unity that we get to experience on a regular basis within the pro-life community you go to the march for life And, you know, it is every age, it's every color and ethnicity, it's every socioeconomic level, it's youth and it's older people. I mean, it's, you know, really this beautiful captured view of the church and of, uh, you know, of humanity, honestly. And then the other thing is, and this really gets me because, you know, I am friends with Kay Coles James of Heritage Foundation and Dr. Alveda King, who is Dr. Martin Luther King's niece. And, you know, people like Star Parker and, and now you as a new friend, all the African-American women leaders, what a, how disrespectful to them. And then I would point it out in a recent television hit on Shannon Bream's show that the leaders, the early leaders of the pro-life movement, many of them were minority women. You have women like Dr. Mildred Jefferson, who was the first woman, the first African-American woman to graduate from Harvard Medical School. She was the first African-American woman to be admitted to the Boston Surgical Society. Her work is so important that her papers are housed at Harvard for people to study. And she was also the three-time president of National Right to Life Committee. I mean, she was an early supporter of the issue of life. It was part of her life work. How disrespectful and frankly, ignorant to not recognize the huge imprint that African American women have had on the entire movement. Yes. And that's something else that I understand because, as I mentioned before, I was never
1: taught that history. I learned that history about Dr. Mildred Jefferson, Dr. Dolores Greer. I learned about um, Fannie Lou Hamer, who was a pro-life Democrat. A lot of people um, don't know that when they talk about Fannie Lou Hamer, they don't know that, that she spoke out against abortion and its impact on the Black community. And I was never taught that. And so many in our community, we were never taught that. But there are a growing number of black people, black women, especially in the pro-life movement. I'm part of a group on Facebook called Black Women in Pro-Life, and we have, I think, close to 300 women in there, and we're always talking about ideas and how we can reach our community. And even right now, I'm planning different things and events, you know, to reach uh, black women and Every day I'm meeting another black pro-life woman who's coming out to say I'm against abortion. And sometimes they're coming out to say that because of their own personal story. I just met someone this summer who took the RU486 pill and she was in her early twenties and it caused her to be hospitalized. She was hospitalized and she had to actually relearn how to walk. And tragically, she's infertile now for the rest of her life. And she's in her early 20s. And she's looking at a life of infertility because of taking the abortion pill. And she came to me and told me her story. And she's like, I want my story to be out there. I want other people to hear my story. And so there are many women of color, not just Black, you know, Hispanic, Latino sure. women as well, um, Native American women. There's so many women um, that their voices need to be heard. and. Sometimes when people think about the pro-life movement, they don't think about us. They think about politicians. And some of us are politicians, like Katrina Jackson is a black pro-life Democrat I and she's a politician. Like that. Fireball, but I mean, think I'd vote us. for her. <laughs> she's the yeah, Louisiana, she's amazing, yeah. Um, but they often don't think about us. They might think about white evangelicals and they'll think, you know, I don't like this person because of their politics or because they vote differently or they have different belief systems that I do but don't forget us because we are here too and we exist. And I think that, you know, if we were part of that conversation, it might be different. So if that conversation was happening and I was part of it, or Alvita King was part of it, or Katherine Davis, my pro-life mentor was part of it, then we could share our stories and
0: perhaps we would have a different conversation. But when we're decided- I wish they would have you on, and I'm saying this right now, MSNBC, if you have any integrity, You'll have Christina on to rebut and to give her side of the story, right? I mean, if there's really if you're if you are a news organization, which I don't know that they really are, but if they are, I think that it would only be fair to have the other side recognized and um and and you given the respect to to share. Your story and your beliefs, um, Christina. That'd be a blessing if that happened. I'm open for it. All right, all right. I'm I'm pitching you. Yeah. You know the. I think the most. Tra- I mean, obviously, the whole history, the whole Margaret Sanger history, and the the history of the way um, African Americans in our country have been treated on many levels. Right. We can recognize that. I'm a Christian, and I know I believe in original sin, and I I know that. People are sinners and people, you know, whether it's racism, sexism, whatever it is, it's true and it's real and exists. And that's why we need Jesus. We need redemption. The other tragic part of all of that is Planned Parenthood has not strayed from its roots, right? It's still happening. I mean, in New York City on most years, more African-American babies are aborted than than, than live. Yes. Um, the majority of Planned Parenthood clinics are in targeted in minority neighborhoods. I think it's something like over 60% are in minority neighborhoods. Like they have not left the underpinnings of the root, that sort of ideology of eugenics. And eugenics is some people don't deserve life. And by the way, we, Margaret Sanger, who was a white woman, uh, her her friends within the movement, many of them uh, were, most of them were men, actually, white men, decided they were the arbiters of who deserved who was deserving of life and that same arrogance and ideology has continued they've gotten better at it right they've gotten better at their messaging and and sort of wrap it in the idea of compassion when it's not compassionate at all i mean i i don't know about you but i i I think the legacy of margaret sanger is alive and well Yes. And what's really shocking is that they are now starting to admit it. And so just
1: recently they came out and said that they wanted to be disassociated with Margaret Sanger and the New York Planned Parenthood took her name off of their building and their current president, who is a Black woman, she wrote an op-ed about Margaret Sanger and, you know, saying how wrong she was in all these different ways. But yet, as you said, you're still carrying out her mission. So you can take her name off of a building and you can admit, now they have to admit it because we're at a place now where so many people have access on the internet to her writings and the pro-life movement has done a really good job about exposing what she did even through movies like Maafa 21 that details the history of, of racism in Planned Parenthood. And so they have to say now, yes, it's true. She's a racist but you're still fulfilling her dream. You are still fulfilling her mission by being in minority neighborhoods and killing our children. So who cares if you take her name off a building? Black babies are still dying every single day. That's what needs to change. And so it is really troubling because Planned Parenthood, they've always been deceptive in their marketing. They've always marketed to the Black community as wanting to help. That's what she did with the Negro Project in the 1930s. She said, I have this project, and I want to help poor Black women who are having so many children. And now you see Planned Parenthood does the same thing. They have t-shirts that say, "You know, we're going to stand with Black women in all of their advertising. In any video you see, they are purposely putting Black women forward, but at what cost? And, and what is the end goal and what are we losing? We are losing our legacy. We are losing our children and it's not worth it. Not to mention the fact that black women are dying in abortion clinics. Black women like Cree Irwin, you can go on YouTube and actually hear her mother calling 911 when she found her daughter dead in her bed from a botched abortion. Tanya Reeves who died in a Chicago Planned Parenthood And they left her bleeding for five hours before they transferred her to a hospital. And even when she got to the hospital, the doctors were struggling to figure out what was wrong with her because Planned Parenthood didn't tell them she's coming here with a botched abortion. And so she died. We never hear the story of these black women who have died at the hand of the abortion industry. We don't hear their pain. We don't hear their stories. They're covered up. Planned Parenthood pays out money to the family. And then they pretend as if they are friend to us. They're not a friend. They're destroying our community. They're destroying our legacy. And as Black women, we need to speak out against them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you talk, you, you make me think of Hermit Gosnell's victims, right? Yes. He, uh, you know, he was African-American. He was African-American, but he had... He even had my understanding is that he had a African-American waiting room and a white waiting room. Yes, he had preference towards white
1: women and he would treat black women more poorly than white women. His whole story is just so insane. And then they just looked the other way. The public health officials
0: looked the other way. They knew it was happening, but they didn't want to prosecute him. Yes, that was in Pennsylvania. There are people yes. in Pennsylvania that will never get elected to dog catcher if I have anything to do with it (laughs) after the fact that they averted their eyes to the disgusting practice, filthy, dirty, murderous practice of Kermit Gosnell. And the other point I I really, while you were talking, I was thinking about Margaret Sanger. You know, she was so two-faced while she's has the quote unquote, she called it the Negro project. She also is over meeting with the KKK (laughs) and telling them- What is that she's planning? They loved it, right? So, I mean, the truth is, I mean, that's two sides. They're on. We're on the other side. We want we want African American mothers to be safe, to be healthy, to have opportunities. We want their children to be welcome unto this earth, and we want to do everything we can do to to protect them and help them to do that if they if that is what they choose so um, and to give them every reason why that is a better choice right it's not just about uh, the law and certainly we are working we're supporting the Dobbs case we think that it is um, appropriate to protect the least of these the unborn another human being but we don't just want abortion to be illegal we want it to be unthinkable we want to create a culture in which Every baby is welcome to life. So uh, I would love, and just in the time we have left, why don't you share with our listeners what it is, any information on, um, first, on how can they be more involved? What, did they, what do you want them to know about how to be supportive of mothers who are struggling uh, on the issue of life, whether they have an abortion, whether to become a birth mother? And also just you know, any way that they can, people can reach you, follow you on social media, what is it that you'd like our listeners to know? Thank you for the opportunity to share. Since we've been talking
1: about race and everything, I'd like to give different advice for you know, black women or black men that are pro-life or maybe even aren't think, are not thinking about it. And then you know, white and other people that are in the pro-life community. So for those that are black, I would say, especially in our divisive culture, it is so easy to look at another people group, you know, white pro-lifers and to say, look at them. I think they're just pro-birth. I don't really think they're pro-life. They're not really caring about the community. Maybe you have different beliefs. Maybe you support um, different social service policies and they don't. Maybe you have different politics and they don't. And so therefore it's easy to judge. But I would say, really look at yourself and say, what am I doing? What am I doing as a Christian I believe when I die and stand before God, God's not going to ask me about white evangelicals, he's not going to ask me about black Catholics he's not going to ask me about you know any people group he's going to ask me about Christina Marie Bennett, what did you do with the knowledge that you had and so. My advice, because there are so many people in the black community who have pro-life values, but they may not be acting out on those values or they may be afraid to say they're pro-life. So don't look at other people. What can you do to be a voice for life? And so I would say to my, uh, my white pro-life brothers and sisters, how can you, when it comes to this division where we see uh, black hosts on TV saying that, they feel like the pro-life movement is racist. How can you be a bridge builder? Now you may never be able to go on that TV show and talk to them, but there might be black people on your social media feeds. There might be black people in your church or in your neighborhood who may be thinking the same thing. And how can you be a bridge builder? One simple way might be inviting them over for dinner or inviting them to tour a pregnancy center with you or just allowing them to see that your pro-life views are not just political and they're not just because you want to control women's bodies, but they're out of love and out of sincerity. And then for everyone across the board, how can you get involved? There's so many different ways. There's prayer campaigns like 40 Days for Life, where it happens every single year, multiple times a year. You can go pray outside of an abortion clinic and they see thousands of babies saved. There's other prayer groups like Bound for Life, which is in Washington DC, and they pray in front of the Supreme Court with red tape over their mouth, praying for the ending of abortion. I work for the Family Institute of Connecticut, and that's an offshoot of Focus on the Family. And there's different public policy groups all across the country where you can get involved. One of the things that we do here is we fight for pro-life pregnancy centers because they are being attacked by the progressive legislators and they're trying to enforce laws on them that would take away their free speech. So you can get involved with those organizations by volunteering your time, rallying, um, going to the Capitol building, going and talking to your elected officials and letting them know what bills you support and what bills you don't support. In addition to that, you can become a volunteer. I worked for four years as a client service manager for a pregnancy resource center. So I was over a team of volunteers and they were meeting with women, helping them to get ultrasounds, helping them to choose life. You can do that. If you can't volunteer, You can donate, you can donate to a pro-life organization. You can donate to a pregnancy resource center. So there's so many different things that you can do. If you wanna be connected with me, I am on social media, my Instagram, Super easy to remember. It's Black Pro Life Woman. And that's also my Twitter, but I'm on Instagram a lot more. Christina Bennett. I have a website, www.christinabennett.com. And so I'm easy to find. There's a couple of films that I've been in that you can find on my website. And I would love to talk and I would love to help you to use whatever skills you have. So if you have a particular skill set, if you're good at social media, or you're good at writing, or you're good at singing, or you're good at raising funds, whatever it may be, there is room for you in this movement. We need you. There's a seat at the table. And we would love for you to use your passion, your time, your skill, and your energy to save lives. This is the most important issue of our day. And I believe that this movement. It's a civil rights movement. It's a human rights movement. It's the most important movement of our day. So
0: please join in. Amen. Well said. And I'm going to follow you on Instagram as soon as I'm done here. My Instagram is PYNance1. Also, you can follow Concerned Women for America um, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our website is ConcernedWomen.org. Christina Bennett, thank you so much for your time today. I love it. everything. You said it's so interesting. And hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch it to MSNBC sister. They need <laughs> they need to hear from you. They need your message. Thank you for everything. Oh, you're welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed every second of our conversation. Thank you. For God that. bless you. God bless
0: you. bye Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, bringing you biblical perspective to today's most pressing issues. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. We pray this episode has been a blessing to you. For more information, visit concernedwomen.org. That's concernedwomen.org.